Pulpa MX Network Production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hi, I'm Chris Kiefer. Thank you for joining me once again on the RockyMountainATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and Racetech. You guys know what I'm about to say. RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, and street bikes. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three-day shipping. It's easy to see why RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for all of us out there that want to do this type of thing. Thank you, Rocky Mountain. Thank you, Fly Racing, FlyRacing.com. Go check out the new Formula Helmet. They are in dealerships now. They are ready to be purchased. Do yourself a favor and protect your noggin and look for a Formula Helmet. Very good. Only, I would say only two helmets I would trust on my head, and the Formula is one of them. And of course... Light hydrogen goes on my legs, goes over my back. It's a good-looking set of gear, so go check that out as well, flyracing.com. Racetech, racetech.com. They're in this podcast, actually, and they've done some work for me recently that I've been really happy with. So if you guys haven't checked out Racetech in a while, you might want to do yourself a favor and go check them out, racetech.com. They do engine services Full suspension rebuilds, revalves, they can do it all. Go check them out, racetech.com. Paul Thede is basically a genius when it comes to dirt bikes. So do yourself a favor, check them out, racetech.com. Thank you guys for joining me once again. It's a new week, a new episode, and near and dear to my heart, we're going to be talking about the 2019 Honda CRF 450R. Basically, this podcast is a stage one upgrade, much like the Suzuki need-only build that Joe Aloff and I did together. This is similar to that in where I wanted to do a step-by-step podcast and tell you guys what I would do if I went out and purchased one of these suckers, okay? So some of you guys will ride this and maybe do nothing, but for those of you that do pick up one of these bikes and want to do something and are interested in doing some modifications. This podcast is all about the things that I would do first on this bike. Now, people say, Kiefer, I just bought a $10,000 motorcycle. Why on earth would I want to do anything? Well, there is a lot of good traits that the 2019 Honda CRF 450 has, but there is, to me... One thing that sets this bike back from being the best 450 out there, and that thing being is, it is a very narrow window to get this thing dialed in from track to track. I have probably spent more time on a CRF 450R than any other bike. I know some of you guys listening may think, what the hell, really? Well, I have tested for Honda in the production world for a a few years. So, yeah, I've had my fair share go on this bike, right? But also, you know, as you guys know, I ride a Husqvarna, KTM, and a Yamaha a lot more on my own time than I do this Honda. But in work mode hours, I do ride this Honda a lot, and I do know the negatives and positives about this machine. And, of course, one of the negatives is that it's a very tough machine to set up for a a wide variety of tracks. Unlike the Yamaha YZ450F, where you can kind of click around, get your clickers, get your sag, get your fork height, and it works pretty good everywhere you go. This Honda is super finicky. You can get a setting at a track, and you'd be like, huh, that's pretty good. And you go to a different track with different dirt, and you're just like, where did this good feeling go to? Because it's not apparent anymore. That is the 2019 Honda Sierra 450. The softer the the dirt, the better this bike works. It has an incredible engine. 
But with that incredible engine comes a little bit of uncontrollability for me. Thing is fast, dude. If I want to get from point A to point B, corner to corner in a hurry, this Honda will do it. If you guys have looked at dyno charts on other media outlets um, websites, the Honda puts out a lot of torque, probably the most torque out of all the 450s, and the most peak horsepower. That doesn't mean it's the best engine out on the market right now. When I ride this sucker, the first thing I notice is like, it's too much for me. I can ride a dirt bike at a, at a fairly high level. I'm not the fastest guy in the world, but I'm not the slowest, right? So, But I want a bike that I can control for longer periods of time. If I was just doing sprints, then of course this engine would be in a stock form would be okay. But I want to go 20 to 30 minutes, and I want to try to be as fast in the 25-minute mark than I was at the five-minute mark. So unless you're He-Man and you're super strong, which I would venture to say most of you guys listening to this podcast isn't, you know, and I'm not either. I train and ride a lot, and I'm still not be able to hold it wide open at the 22, 24-minute mark of a moto. You start getting tired, right? So you want a friendlier type of engine. So Honda did, Honda did a great job with developing a fast engine, um, but the chassis somewhat lacks. And to me, this is where this bike needs work. Uh, you heard me say this plenty of times that the chassis on the Honda CR450R is rigid. Near the head tube and right under your butt where you sit. Kind of where the subframe and the frame meet. I feel like it's a little stiff in there. And when the, the track turns edgy and hard pack... This is where this bike suffers. I would rather be riding a Yamaha where it's planted, a little bit more forgiving. Even a KTM that still has a little bit of a stiffer-feeling steel chassis is still more forgiving than this Honda chassis. This podcast, again, like I said, is some things that I would do initially to make it a friendlier machine right away out of the box. The cheapest modifications you guys can do right away, so I'm going to knock these out for you guys. You pull that sucker in your garage, you're like, what am I going to do? So easiest things you can do is, right away, rip off the backfire screen out of your air filter cage. You don't need that. Chances are pretty high that you are not going to catch your Honda on fire. That'll give you some extra RPM response, so bear with me with that. I know we're talking about, like, hey, that you already said it was too much, but just, just hold on. So take that screen off. You just bend the tabs out and you remove that plastic piece. Or better yet, just go to Twin Air. Twin Air sells a power flow kit, which is an aluminum filter cage. And then, of course, you can go with a Twin Air filter. I like Twin Air filters the best. They do not pay me. They do not advertise on this podcast. I just simply like the quality of Twin Air stuff. So that is my choice when it, when it comes down to it. And they build some really nice cages that you don't have to worry about. Uh, Airbox covers so you can wash them out. So... Get that screen out of there. Try to get a new chain and add one link to your final drive. Okay, 1349. I take that stock cheap chain. It's going to stretch anyway in about five hours. It's going to be junk. Get a good DID ERT ERT2 chain. Slap it on. I would cut it one link longer than what does come stock. You can run your chain adjusters back. I know we talked about this on the 2018 Honda podcast about a half link and so forth. A lot of you guys can't find half links. For some reason, in Australia, you guys really have a hard time finding half links. But it's easy for us out here to get them. Um, I, I can actually get them easy at this dealership just around my house. So I'm in the high desert. So um, if you can't do that, just simply add a link to your chain. And then you can run your your, your adjusters farther back. All right? You want to, they come somewhat in the middle on the chain adjusters. You can run those chain adjusters farther back a little bit when you add a link, and that'll get you some extra stability. And that's a cheap, easy fix to try to get some more straight line stability on acceleration and decel. The next thing you can do is your pivot bolt, your swing arm pivot bolt. We talked about this in other podcasts as well. Stock. Torque specs is 65 foot-pounds. That's too much. 
Uh, when I'm hanging out with the Honda engineers, I haven't really talked to them about this, but maybe I will next time I see them. I just feel like 65 foot-pounds kind of binds that rear end under acceleration, and that's where I feel the stiffness at. Remember, right under my butt I was talking about. So backing that to 59 to 60 foot-pounds, five to six foot-pounds less really helps free up the swing arm frame area on acceleration. When the track gets a little hard pack and square edgy, you guys are going to notice that right away. If you do not want to do that, okay, ride it how it is stock. Don't just bail out in the morning, right, you know, when the track's great. Stay there a little bit. Ride it when the track's hammered. And then decrease the torque spec. Go back out and see for yourself. One of the few things that you guys out at home, even if you do not have a great feeling of motorcycles, this is an easy-to-feel modification. It doesn't cost you any money, and you can actually feel some more compliancy to your Honda frame by just decreasing the torque spec just a little bit. Guys ask me all the time, well, what about the torque specs on the head stays? What about the torque specs everywhere else? I back them all around. They're, they're all off. Well, I found that to be true on 2017-2018 Hondas, but Honda changed some things in 2019, right? You can go on keyforinktesting.com and read about those changes, so you don't need to be emailing me about those changes. They are up on my website. But when they did make those changes, I tried to do the same you know, torque spec modifications and some of the, the same kind of things that I did to the previous year model on this new model, and it didn't work. So I had to kind of go back to the drawing board and figure out what was better, figure out different torque specs, do some stock recommended torque specs with mixed in with some new torque specs. So I sat there going back and forth from my shop out to the tracks to really see what worked the best and if anything did, right? So I found out stock torque specs on all the head stays, engine mounts, right? All are fine. Just back that swing arm pivot back five to six foot pounds, and you will notice a difference. What about the FCP engine mounts, Kiefer? You wrecked those suckers back on 2017, 2018 models. Again, I haven't tried enough of those yet. I just wanted to get up a stage one podcast for you guys so you guys can listen to it. I will try some FCP mounts, but I did try some top mounts that I had for my 2018 Honda. And it just didn't feel any better than the stock production engine mounts on the 2019 frame. I will be revisiting those mounts again for a Stage 2 podcast. So you might have to hold tight on the findings on that. But just to let you guys know, I haven't did enough testing to recommend those mounts for you. I'd hate for you guys to go spend your money on some mounts for 2019 and just be wasting your money. So... If you guys are listening and you have a 2017-2018 frame, you can revert back to my podcast for those. And, of course, I do recommend FCP mounts on that chassis, but not yet, okay, on the 2019. So how did I come about with these modifications? How did I figure all of this out? My criteria usually goes like this. I will ride the bike in stock form, which I have, like I said, plenty of time on it through testing with Honda. And I have access to three different types of tracks right from my house. What kind of tracks are those, Kiefer? I have a sand track. I have a clay-based hard pack track. And then I have a track that has clay hard pack on top. And then there's elevation in this track that goes down into some sand. So you get a combination of both. I have had... Serious problems with trying to get the Honda to work at all three tracks, okay? I have tested here on these three tracks with many different manufacturers, suspension companies, and they all say this is probably one of the better tracks to test out because it offers a wide variety of terrain, and it's choppy, it's rough, it has sand rollers. It's just a mix of everything, okay? So I base a lot of my tests on these tracks and if I can get a great feeling on all three then I know I'm going to be pretty good everywhere else I go at least in Southern California I know some of you guys on the East Coast be like Kiefer you don't got ruts blah 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 you know what you're right I have nothing I have no comeback for that 
But I feel like if I can get you guys in the ballpark from here on my three tracks, it'll be pretty close for you guys out there with deeper conditions and ruts. So right away, I actually take 100 to 150 cc's of engine oil out of the engine. The reason for that simply is just because of drag on the engine. When you remove 100 to 150 cc's of oil, you'll simply just get a freer feeling engine and less decel engine braking, which is huge with this chassis. That is one thing that this chassis doesn't like is front end dive. The overall length of the bike once you're riding is short feeling anyway, and having engine drag slash front end pitch just exacerbates all of these symptoms that the Honda has simply. And it's just easier to get a freer revving engine that causes less pitching and it just balances the chassis out. So it's not just getting a freer engine feel, it's actually helping the chassis as well. I worked with Chad at XPR Motorsports on this this bike. And it was like I said, it wasn't about getting more horsepower, okay? Some of the some of the things that I get through my email is why are you getting a Vortex Ignition? Why do you need more horsepower? Well, guys, it's not that I need more horsepower in all these bikes that I go to a different ECU. An ECU is the most important piece to new modern four-stroke technology. Having mapping that is too violent will just tire you out, make the chassis really hard to ride in rough conditions. And simply put, there is three maps on a stock ECU on the map switch on the Honda. Uh, map one will be standard. Map two is a little mellower. Map three is aggressive. And honestly, map two works the best on a stock Honda CRF 450R. Some of you guys can't believe that. Some of you guys want a dick measure, say, I need map three everywhere. I hear all these media outlets saying, ah, we're in map three all the time. There's no way, dude. It's so herky-jerky in map three that I... I do not like it, even on faster types of tracks. So to get this chassis settled, to improve roll-on power, I wanted to enlist Chad at XPR because I know he's very familiar with, familiar with this bike as he does all of the Moto Concepts engines for Justin Brayton, Malcolm Stewart, Vince Freeze. So I know that he knows his stuff. I've worked with him when I rode Justin Brayton's bike, and he is a very smart guy. He is rare in the fact that he is not look-at-me type of engine builder. He's pretty quiet. He just likes to build quality, usable horsepower. And he likes the customer to like his work, which is rare. There's only a couple engine builders here around California that I really trust. Chad is one of them, and he knows his shit when it comes to ECU settings. We spent... A full day on a Vortex box and ECU settings, and I came away mind blown. As much as I do ECU settings with Honda and trying to get the right spec, we are in a box. We only could try so much. We go too much, we're in the danger zone, and we can't have that for production. Or if we go too mellow, someone else is complaining about, hey, we need a faster bike. Well, in the world of 450cc engines, usable, controllable horsepower is king. Rear wheel traction is key. Every manufacturer is looking for connectivity to the rear wheel, and Honda is no different. So the first thing I would do if I had this bike was get a, a Vortex ECU, have Chad map it. He has maps already pre-programmed. You can get the Vortex with several different maps for pump fuel, T4, Pro 6, whatever it is that you guys want to run, and you have the option to switch it up because there's 10 different fuel maps that you can run on this Vortex, and you simply install it, which is not a big deal, and there you have it. You have a whole different power character. So what does this do? The Vortex ECU simply made the bike... Smoother off the bottom, but with a broader pull mid to top. It just seems more connected to me than anything that I've tried with the stock ECU. 
any map, map one, map two, map three, the Vortex simply just makes this engine longer, easier to ride, and most importantly, calms the chassis down. That is what I wanted to do with this Vortex ECU. I needed to calm the chassis down because if I try to roll my throttle on in longer ruts, deeper ruts, it was always herky-jerky. And what herky-jerky means is cornering balance, cornering stability coming through the corner. I'd roll the throttle on and and all that weight would go back to the rear shock. I'd lay it off, all the weight would go back to the front fork. And I just couldn't roll my corners correctly. On a KTM, dude, it's unreal. There's so much cornering stability. I can just roll the KTM KTM on and it's super connected feeling. I love that. I wanted the Honda to get that way. Well, when you get a Vortex Ignition, you have some of Chad's maps in there. This is what it does. It gives connectivity to the rear end and it doesn't put weight on the back side, on the shock. And then when you let off, it doesn't put weight on the front. It just balances the chassis out. It, it's, it's the best thing that I've ever done to a Honda. Plain and simple. If you did nothing else, if you had no suspension work, you're running stock suspension, especially if you're running stock suspension, putting a Vortex ECU on with these maps that he has will make your Honda simply better. Will it make it faster? Yes. But that's not what I'm after. It's a controllable added horsepower that I'm getting. I can run third gear more with this ECU than I could with any map on the stock ECU. There is no way I can roll third gear in tighter corners, 180s, right? There's no way I could do it. It just wouldn't pull it. And then I'd have to fan the clutch, and then the the whole chassis would be upset coming out of this corner. I, I can't sit here on this podcast and explain how important it is to have usable, controllable rear-wheel traction on a 450. It's the most important thing. If you go to these factory bikes, you think they're fire-breathing engines? No, that's bullshit. I've ridden quite a few of them, and it's just so linear and smooth. That is what ECUs bring. You have so many added parameters that you can do with aftermarket ECUs. So... With Honda and the Japanese, they need to have a controlled environment. They need to give the customer choices, but also keep them in a box, so to speak, with those choices. You don't want to go too crazy. Now, a lot of people go, hey, what about reliability with these ECUs? Well, the rev limiter doesn't get, you don't get an added 1,000 RPM on this rev limiter. I think you get 200 to 250 RPM, which is plenty which is fine because this Honda revs so far out anyway. I don't need anything to rev farther than what this Honda already offers me. So this Vortex, we mapped it with T4 fuel. Um, And also we have a pump map that we worked on. Chad has several different fuel maps. And adding T4 to this bike gives it a little bit added RPM response from the standard pump fuel map. But if you guys are looking, you guys are already spending whatever, you know, 800 bucks on a Vortex, right? I don't know if you guys want to spend a little bit extra money to run T4 fuel. That's fine. You'll still get the same benefit that I'm talking about with that rear wheel traction and that calmness that this Honda needs with a pump map. So very cool feature on these Vortex, and it's even better going to a guy that knows how to map them. You simply just can't get a Vortex ECU and buy it and slap it on and expect it to be better. You need to have a guy behind that ECU that knows how to map, that can see what the bike needs, and that's what Chad's good at. He can sit there and watch me and be like, oh, yeah, the bike looks like it's doing this. And I go, absolutely, that's what I do feel on the track. So it's nice to have someone that understands mapping, especially when it comes to these Hondas. I mean, straight up, guys, again, I only push things that I believe in and like. And I like Chad as a person, but I also like what he does for engines. So um, this Vortex ECU mapped by XPR was the number one added benefit to this Honda. We're going to get to the chassis slash suspension in a minute, but just simply bolting on a Vortex ignition will help your chassis feel. Will it help rigidity? No. 
but what it does, it will help the chassis feel calmer in situations when you're trying to explode out of a corner or try to hop over some square edge. And then if you're saying you're you're coming into some braking bumps that are heavy, that are large, that are soft, or even some hard pack braking bumps that I've experienced, man, this chassis just obliges me in a way where I never felt it with a stock ECU. So horsepower and the way it's delivered can make a big difference in chassis feeling, and um, this Vortex does it. I also just added a recluse clutch pack. I've tried torque drives in the past, and you can go up on keyforinktesting.com and read about a Henson and a recluse torque drive that we did on our other Honda Sierra 450R, and it makes a difference. But I wasn't looking for a grabby or any added RPM response or any more bottom end that the torque drive provides. I'm just looking for a better lever feeling, which this Honda lacks in. The Honda lever pull sucks. I hate it. It's too hard, and I like a a soft lever feel. So going to this recluse clutch pack that you can just pop right in with your stock basket, it adds some fibers to your to your clutch, right? Um, And basically what it does, it provides longer life for me. So my clutch life during a hard moto is a little bit longer. My clutch pull is softer, which is key to me. And the fact that I don't have to change clutch plates every five hours on on this recluse clutch pack is... A blessing in disguise, okay? I'm not dumping as much money into this clutch because, man, the stock Honda clutch, it needs work. Uh, Hopefully, Honda will be going to a hydraulic clutch soon. Um, Hopefully, or if they don't, hopefully they get a different system in there where the pull gets a little bit better and it's not so on-off or drags because I feel like, man, once this clutch gets hot, it drags so bad and hurts horsepower and it hurts delivery of the engine that it's just... I'm like, how does this even, how does this even work? Like, I don't understand it. This thing needs help. And if, and if you read other media outlets, they say the same thing about this this clutch. So, looking if you guys don't want to dump the money into a torque drive, just look into a Recluse clutch pack. It's a very good, nice alternative for you guys out there that want to save a little bit of dough, but just use your existing OEM parts. Quick break, guys. Time for some commercials. So listen to them, get some discount codes, and save yourself some money. Thank you. Hey, what's up? Technology. That's what I'm talking about here. It's a great thing. I love it. But I also can pull my hair out with it as well. However, there is a company that you probably have seen on the Rockstar Husqvarna race team, Dean Wilson, Jason Anderson, called Skosh. It's spelled S-C-O-S-C-H-E. You can go to skosh.com and check out all the products. They have really, really cool stuff. They have headphones. They have boom bottles. They have phone chargers for your Droid, your iPhone. They have magic mounts. They have wireless chargers. They have huge cables that will reach all the way across your house if you need a charger and you don't have an outlet close like my house. I don't have that many outlets. They just have a bunch of cool products to make your life easier when you're out in the garage, when you're in your car, when you're at your house, just I'm really, really pumped to have these guys on board because they sent me some stuff. I use it all the time. My favorite thing is the Boom Buoy. It's a speaker that floats on the water. I can hang out in the pool in the backyard, listen to my music. I'm a big music guy. So they just make really cool stuff that makes my life easier. Founded in 1980, Skosh Industries is a Ventura-based, Southern California, of course, Award-winning innovator of consumer technology, power sports, and car audio products. Don't forget, car audio. You're traveling, you're sitting in traffic. You guys need to check them out, skosh.com. Committed to delivering the superior products that we all want, quality and functionality, exceptional value, and unmatched customer service. The designers and engineers at Skosh develop products that reflect a rich heritage in audio and mobile technology. Skosh finds inspiration in the California lifestyle, culture, music, and people. These influences can be seen in accessories and products that are now in the hands of homes, offices, vehicles, 
and people all over the world. 50 countries, okay? Hundreds of patents, trademarks, and countless industry awards received. It's easy to see why Skosh is constantly at the forefront of technology. These guys are cool. They're huge motorcycle enthusiasts. They even gave us a product code, SCOKT25. That's SCOKT25. Use that code when you go to skosh.com. Get 25% off. Seriously, guys, go check them out. You won't ever get it. If you want to hit me up, Chris at KeeferInkTesting.com. I'll let you know more. But very cool guys over there. Thanks, Skosh. Skosh.com. ScreenPrintingDone.com. You guys looking to make up some shirts, hoodies, or hats with a logo on it? Or maybe you want a logo made up for your business and you want to transfer that over to some t-shirts? Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com. Neil over there is a writer. He owns the company. He is a rad human being. And he is here to hook you guys up. Order 12 shirts and get 10 for free. They have all different kinds of shirts, hoodies, hats, different fabrics, all different kinds of stuff. Go hit them up, screenprintingdone.com. Tell them Kiefer sent you and get 10 free shirts. Be sure to say Kiefer. That's right, Kiefer and screenprintingdone.com. Go check them out. Thanks, Neil. Have you guys checked out bloodlubricants.com? If you haven't, bludlubricants.com. Go check them out. Three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport Series, the Blood Racing Pro Series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite Series. I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils in our test bike. Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain. And uh, it runs a little cooler than production oils. And uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check legitimacy of this stuff because um, I didn't want no crap involved in keyframe testing. Um, honestly, tried it. Was very surprised about the oil. Did some temperature readings. It was little over 30 degrees cooler in my YZ450F compared to some other oils I've been running. So the stuff is good. They sponsor over 250 racers from Enduro, Endurocross, Hair Scrambles, UTVs, Supercross now. They got some Supercross guys. So go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Use the discount code Kiefer and get some percentage off your oils. They'll ship them to you. Probably get a hat or two. You know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Thanks to the guys over at 6D Helmets. That's right there on board with the KieferInkTesting.com. Kiefer Tested Podcast. We thank them for joining us. You have a street bike, a dirt bike, or do you pedal? You have a mountain bike. Head over to 6DHelmets.com. Check out the full line of helmets they offer. I'm sure they have a helmet for you. Hey, I get questions all the time. Kiefer, what helmet would you choose if you could pick one to buy? If you're going to spend your own money, Kiefer, where are you going? While there are a lot of helmets that are safe out there, okay, I do feel the safest in a 6D helmet. I've had many crashes in my ATR1. I've had a couple in my ATR2, and it has done its job. It's advanced ODS technology. It's race-proven. I'm telling you guys, and it's light. The new ATR2, it comes in at 1,480 grams. It's fully rebuildable. Very cool colorways. I trust the guys over at 60 Helmets. Maybe you guys should too. Hit me up over at chris at keyforinktesting.com. Maybe get a special discount code if you want to get a 60. So please, guys, go check them out. 60 Helmets, hit me up. Tell me how you like yours. And if you don't have one, maybe go get one. Thanks, 60. Hey, Heather. Hey, Chris. Did you know that every two-stroke KTM and Husqvarna come with a Vertex piston in the engine from the factory? No, I did not. 65 years ago, Vertex Piston was founded in a small technical workshop in northern Italy. Today, because of the renowned reputation for exceptional quality, Vertex is an OEM supplier to KTM, Husqvarna, and more exotic brands like Beta, Gas Gas, and TM. No matter which brand of bike you ride with, when it's time to go ride or time to rebuild your top end, Vertex Pistons will have your engine performing better than new. To see their full range of two-stroke and four-stroke pistons, in replica, high compression, or GP-style configurations, visit them at VertexPistons.com or stop in your local dealer and ask for a Vertex Piston Kit today. And if you guys want a discount code, hit me up, Chris, at KieferInkTesting.com, 
And I've got one for you. Save some money. VertexPistons.com. You guys interested in racing a hare and hound? Go to NationalHareAndHound.com. Go peruse their website. If you guys have any questions about off-road racing or hare and hound more specifically, hit me up, Chris, at KeeferInkTesting.com, and I'll be happy to guide you through it. I grew up racing hare and hounds at the young age of nine years old till I was 16. Probably the most fun I've had on a dirt bike. I went away from it because we got into motocross, but now I think I'm going to start coming back to the, my roots, which is Des Racing. So, if you guys have any questions, nationalhareandhound.com or hit me up at chris at keyforinktesting.com and I'll happy to answer for you. And maybe you'll get a special $5 off discount code for your next entry. I went to a Yoshimura exhaust. Of course, because they do race team stuff, they probably know the Honda more than anyone out there, I would assume. And when I did get this Yoshimura exhaust, before I even put the ignition on, it smoothed out the bottom end delivery just a little bit, which helped the chassis, like I said, but also increased the mid-range and top end a little bit. But what it did add, it added some RPM response to that mid-range and top end, which I liked. I liked that it didn't get violent down low. I liked that the sound of the mufflers are a lot better than the stock, you know, raspy Honda dual muffler sound. I'm not a big fan of the Honda stock sound. And so it's just that they're quality pieces of, of titanium. When I, I put a titanium system on this thing, and it will drop I think a little bit over a pound, 1.4 pounds. So that's a lot for this bike. And some of you guys out there hate dual exhausts. I said, I don't, I don't really mind it. I think it looks cool. Do I know why Honda does this? I get this question asked a lot to me. It's for, you know, they say mass centralization, right? Do I, am I all in on that? No, I'm not all in on that. So, <laughs> I do like that the fact – I do like the way they look. I like that they're tucked in. They're behind the number plate. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of a single system that sticks out too far. I have tried an FMF single system that actually works pretty damn good for power-wise. I just don't like the way it looks. I don't like a big bazooka out the, out the rear of that side panel there. It just kind of looks blech. So Yoshimura systems, very nice. The welds are bitching, quality stuff. And the fact that they do, it does help mold and shift and change that power curve on the Honda. I like it. They shifted the power in a better way. Rarely do you get an aftermarket muffler that kind of smooths out the bottom end in another bike, and you'll like it. I mean, I've tried on the, let's take the YZ450F, for example. I've tried aftermarket mufflers that kind of kill the bottom end a little bit, and I hate it because it just makes the bike feel heavy. Well, in this case, just smoothing out the initial 0 to 10% throttle opening on this Honda actually helps this bike. Okay, moving on to the suspension side of things. Now, this is just a stage one podcast. I just recently got a set of Racetech revalved fork and shock. I am going to test it and see if it makes this chassis any better. But for right now, I just want to give you guys some stock specs. Most of you guys already have revalve stuff on your Hondas. Rarely do I get a question about stock baseline settings on a Honda because you guys seem to be immediately getting stuff done on your Hondas. 108 is the magic. Okay, I sh- let, me, let, me, let me take a step back. 107 to 108. Those two, you see you say, oh, Kiefer, it's only a millimeter. I don't give a shit. One millimeter is a lot. And for those, for those of you saying, ah, Kiefer, you're too technical, it's just blah, 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 I don't care. One millimeter does make a difference on this bike. Other bikes, eh, not so much. This Honda, yes, that's why we're here. That's why we're bullshitting right now, because it's a finicky son of a bitch. This Honda is, okay? 107 to 108. If you and your buddies are out the track... And your buddy's like, yeah, man, you got 106. You're like, ah, man, fuck it. Close enough. Let's go ride. Nope. You're out. Boom. Honda's feeling like shit. You're going to email me, Kiefer, my Honda feels like shit. Where's your saga? Ah, 106. Boom. 107. Really? Yes. Trust me on this, please. 107 to 108. Get that sucker dialed in. That is the first thing you guys do. 
pick up your bike, put it in your truck, go in the garage, put your gear on, yes, put all your gear on, and you go, uh, excuse me, wife, can you come out and measure my sag for me? That's right. Grab the wife, get your sag on. 107 to 108. Fork height, three mil, three millimeter. You go to five millimeter, hello, stink bug. No good, no good. Decel, nap, no good. Three millimeters, happy spot. I've gone down to flush to two millimeter. Flush is too much, makes the bike feel lazy and heavy on entrance of corners, and this is where this bike shines, okay? You want to try to keep that intact. You want to keep this cornering ability on this Honda intact while trying to increase the stability of it. Three millimeter on the fork height, 107 to 108 on the sag, and get that rear wheel back. That's going to help you guys a lot as well. Try to get that rear wheel as far back as you can, okay? That's key as well. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you should do this to your clickers. That's basically preference. Yes, I'm 170 pounds. Of course, I went a little bit stiffer on the fork. I'm an aggressive front-end steering rider. I went a little bit stiffer on the fork. I left the shock low-speed compression stock, and I went a little bit in on high speed to keep it up a little bit because now we're running a lower sag, 108, 107, right? But the high speed acts like a ride height measurement as well. So going to a quarter turn brings it up just a little bit and doesn't let that sucker just blow through on steep faces or G outs. It just kind of helps, you know, give a little bit more damping feeling on the end of the stroke. Again, if you guys are going to adjust your compression clickers or rebound clickers for that matter, go one at a time. Don't just say, I'm going to go two in on the rebound and two on the compression. Don't do it. One at a time. Go one click on the compression. Go a couple laps. Come back in. Okay, that was good. I'm going to try a little bit slower. Go the rebound. Do things one at a time. Don't do two things at once. You're going to get lost. Again, finicky Honda. So what about tires, Kiefer? What about tires? Well, tires are going to help too. Putting the right tire on this thing. Besides what comes on it, because they come with Dunlop MX3S, which you can't get anymore, which makes me sad. Because that was my favorite set of tires. Dunlop MX3S. Gosh, dang it. I went to Rocky Mountain, bought up a shit ton of front tires, and I'm almost out, so... Whew... Anyway, I've been looking for a front tire that's as good as an MX3S lately. Been tough. I tested the Hoosiers. Hoosier front tire is good. You're going to see me possibly be mix-matching. Mix-matching soon. That's right. I'm going to be a mix-matching son of a bitch. Unlike my gear, which I will not do, I might do that with tires, Okay. MX-25 Hoosier front tire or MX-30, take your pick. I chose an MX-30 just to have that front tire not roll as much. But the carcass feeling of these tires are excellent, which helps the rigid feeling nature Honda chassis. So having a Hoosier MX-30 and a Hoosier MX-25 on this Honda really helped the comfort on slap downs and on square edge, okay? So if you guys are looking for a good lean angle traction front tire, Hoosiers are really good. I like that. To me, much better than an MX-33 front tire. Now, would I choose a Hoosier MX-25 over an MX-33? That's tough. I like an MX-33 a lot. I like a Dunlop MX-33. There's not as bad as the MX-33 front. I run about... 12 and a half in an MX-33 rear, and it's very good. Unlike a Hoosier, where I have to run up to 14 pounds, but they still, Hoosiers still have more carcass feeling, more bump absorption than a Dunlop. It just depends on lean angle traction for me for the front tire. And of course, I am a front end steering type of guy. So I need that side bite, and the Hoosier provides that up front. 
but the Dunlop also provides that, MX-33 provides that in the rear. So you might see some Hoosier white wall side life on my front tire and an all-black rear tire that may be a Dunlop. So I'm here to make my bike work as good as it can. I do not care what it looks like so much, which is funny because I care a lot about what I look like when I put gear on, but for the most part, I don't really run numbers on my bike. I don't I don't care. I just like a good feeling handling bike that makes me go fast. And then I'll look fast with my bitchin' ass fly gear, right? So Hoosiers do help with carcass feeling, guys. So that is one of the tires that you should be looking at if you own a Honda CRF450R. That will help bump absorption. And if you do not go with a Hoosier, then I guess you need to find some MX3S at your local dealer that they haven't sold. Buy up those things. And if you don't want them, buy them for me. Send them to me. I'll take them. Chris at KeyFreakTesting.com. I will buy your MX3S tires, front tires. I like that tire a lot. So there you have it. These things help make this bike less finicky. Stage one. We're going to do three stages in this podcast series of this Honda. Next stop, we're going to do suspension. We're going to have a revalve set. I'm going to try it and see if it helps. And if it doesn't, I'm going to be straight up with you guys. I don't care if Racetech advertises or not. They understand how I am over here, and they're going to know, like, hey, yeah, I did try the thing, and it didn't make it that much better. Well, we're going to try to get some settings. Maybe the first setting that Racetech does will not nail it. Maybe I'll try two, three, four. I'm going to try to make this suspension spec better because, obviously, the production spec is okay. It's a little bit soft, and the reason why Honda did this is because the stiff-feeling nature chassis already has that rigid feeling, right? So they're going to go a little softer on the suspension spec to get you guys some more comfort. Well, to me, I need a little bit more and more, a little little bit more holdup on this sucker. So I'm going to try to get a little bit stiffer while remaining calm, hence the ECU on the chassis side. So that's where I'm going. Gearing, I left 1349, which is stock. Older guys that like to run third gear, you could go 1350. I have tried 1452 on this thing as well, and I also liked that. That's basically given me a half a tooth. So um, with 1452 as well, you can run your rear wheel back. Just letting you guys know that. So sand riders, you guys listening in Europe, I ride a lot of sand. 1452 is where I would be going. For the simple fact is I can kind of run third gear. And when I am in second gear, shifting to third gear early with a 1452 does help that feeling. So right there is just the stage one brief little overview of what helps this bike. If the stock bike is a three, these modifications, pivot bolt torque spec, rear wheel placement, recluse, clutch pack, and a Vortex ECU mapped by Chad makes this bike straight up a 3.5. Much better. And I'm waiting for the emails. Okay, Chris, what do you want? You want to ride your Rockstar Dish or you want to ride this Honda? As of right now, if I had to choose the tracks around Southern California, I would choose the Honda by a narrow margin. Why? simply because of the way this bike reacts. I feel like I can dive into corners a little bit harder on this Honda versus the Husqvarna. And don't get me wrong, this Husqvarna corner is awesome. But the way I feel on this Honda as far as cockpit feeling, rider triangle, the ergonomics of the Honda is really good. They changed the handlebar to a lower bar bend with a fat bar style, which I really like. The thing about a Husqvarna is it comes with a really low bar, flat bar that's wide. So getting on a Honda just feels really nice. It's super narrow. I feel like it is a little bit narrower feeling than a Husqvarna. So like I said, I don't care what color it is. If it's fun to ride, handles well, is stable, and at least corners good. I don't need the gnarliest cornering machine, okay? I need stability, and then I need a bike that can corner pretty good. Well, now we're upping the stability. We're upping the calmness of the Honda. But yet it's keeping 
this cornering ability that I like so much about the Honda. So, again, it's tough, man. I love a KTM. I love a Honda. I love a Yamaha. And I love a Husqvarna. You can just, if someone just said, hey, here's a blindfold, put it over, take your pick, I'll be cool with any one of those. But unlike a Husqvarna, KTM, and a Yamaha, this Honda does take some work to get to that level. If you were just telling me, hey, production form, taking it off the dealer showroom, no, this Honda isn't up to par with some added modifications. And just this stage one, like I'm telling you guys, it will help you get a little bit more confidence in your Hondas. I've got a lot of emails saying, hey, man, I sold my red bike because I can't come to terms with it just simply because it's rigid, hard to hold on to, and it's not fun anymore. I get it. You might have rode your buddy's Honda like, holy shit, this thing's powerful, fun. Yeah, initial thoughts exactly will be, hey, this thing's fun. It's exciting. Well, give yourself a little bit, and you'll be like, holy crap, that's a lot of work. A lot of work to hold on this sucker. These modifications will help that. So stay tuned for two, stage two. We're going to do suspension modifications. I'm going to try some engine hangers along with some other goodies that I will not mention for a surprise on the second episode of this. So if you guys have any questions about your Honda that you didn't get the answers to in this podcast, hit me up, Chris, at KieferInkTesting.com. I'm happy to help you guys. That's what we're here. That's what we're built for, to help the consumer find his, his or her way on the best parts available for their machines. Please support the advertisers that support this podcast. Keeps us going. And if you guys want some Kiefer Ink swag... Email heather at keyforinktesting.com. We have free sticker sheets, and we got some new shirts and hoodies coming, so be on the lookout for that. Screenprintingdone.com does excellent work for us, so go up on keyforinktesting.com, hit the casual section, and you know what to do. Buy us some stuff. Helps us out. All right, thanks for joining me. Hit me up next week. We'll be back with some more information for you guys out there. Thanks for joining me.